I sometimes read uh, public domain books here on Leaves of Glen. And they were written a long time ago, uh, so they're usually uh, racist or sexist or bigoted. Uh, but in there somewhere and all that is a, a story, and that's why those stories are famous. Other times, I read uh, works from independent authors, and they're delightfully not racist, but they might have adult language or adult situations. So that's your warning, uh, but I'm sure you uh, are grown up enough to handle it. Don't write to me complaining. Well, I'm on my 11th day of being sick, and I actually feel better, which is a, a good thing. Uh, not allowed to take any tests, so I don't know if I actually had the coronavirus or not, but uh, it wasn't the worst. Uh, if I did have it, it was definitely the uh, more mild version, not the terrifying one that kills people, so I guess I should consider myself lucky. Or I just had an average virus, and I'm making a big deal out of nothing. We'll never know, because here in America... No one has access to tests, apparently. So, that's pretty cool. Anyways, what did I learn from my 11 days of being ill? Uh, every day is anticipation. Every day you're wondering, is things going to get better or worse the next day? Uh, you keep taking your temperature and you watch it go up and down and up and down. And you just want something to happen. You want to know you've reached a breaking point. Uh, some sort of something, a barrier has been broken through. But no, you get nothing. So, it's like living in limbo, I imagine. It just the same thing over and over. The same anxiety over and over. Yeah, the kids come and they're around and then they leave and go back to their moms. And uh, it's just weird. Everything's weird. I order groceries and they come and the people won't talk to you because they don't want to get sick. They're all wearing masks and everything. And then uh, they bring the groceries in and you sit there and debate, like, what do I do with these things? They might be diseased. And you just sort of sit there and you go to the bathroom for a while and you think about what your life's like. And then you stand in the shower and stare at the tile wall where the water runs over you and think, uh, back when I was 20 years old, did I have any idea that this is what my life would become, being middle-aged, staring at a wall in a shower, not having achieved much more. I think my the high point of my life is in between. And you just, you keep going around in circles uh, forever and ever. So, I think uh, the watchword for this episode is uh, repetition. And I'm cheating because I already read the story and recorded it. Uh, so I know what the theme of that is. Repetition. Where you think you're having a stroke. Over and over. Uh, you'll hear me say it in the middle of the reading. Because there's one part that just keeps going on and on. Like, am I having a stroke? I thought I already read this. That's what my life's like. Uh, and I really have nothing else to report. Oh, I'm on furlough. So that's a lot of fun. So I can't work for two weeks. The next two weeks, I got nothing to do. So I called my city... Because they'll actually uh, drop off a bunch of a bunch of mulch. Now that I'm a homeowner, I'm buying mulch. So they're going to dump a ton of mulch in my driveway. And I'm going to spend all my time trying to make my back and front yard uh, not look like an empty lot. So that's what I'm going to do. I guess I'm going to get grass seed and grow grass. My life is pathetic. Again, in my 20s, 
if I would have looked back on it and thought, uh, ooh, when you're 46 years old, how cool is your life going to be? Are you going to live at a cool loft downtown and have this awesome job where everyone respects you and uh, uh, be married still? Uh, but no, what happens is I'm furloughed and going to spend my time with a wheelbarrow trying to shovel chips of wood into certain parts of my yard. And that's pretty much the best I got going on. I would make my watchword a uh, quiet compromise. But I won't, because I already read the story, and I know repetition's a big part of it, so uh, I'm sticking with that. So with that, let's get into the story. Andrew Lang? Nah, he's just a guy. Born in March 31st, 1844, uh, and died July 20th, 1912. Uh, he was a prolific Scots man of letters. Nah, he's a poet, novelist, and literary critic, and contributor to anthropology. He is now known as the collector of folk and fairy tales. The Andrew Lang lectures at St. Andrews University are named for him. So with that, let's begin. The Death of Koshi the Deathless From the Red Fairy Book by Andrew Lang In a certain kingdom, there lived a Prince Ivan. Yeah, he had three sisters. The first was the Princess Maria. Yeah, the second, uh, uh, Princess Olga. The third, the Princess Anna. When their father and mother lay at the point of death, they had thus enjoined their son. Eh, give your sisters in marriage eh, to the very first suitors who come to woo them. Don't go keeping them by you. <laughs> they died. And the prince buried them, and then to solace his grief, he went with his sisters into the garden, green to stroll. Suddenly the sky was covered black. Eh, with a cloud, a terrible storm arose. Yeah, let us go home, sisters, he cried. Hardly had they got into the place when the thunder pealed, the ceiling split open, and into the room where they were came, ooh, cool, flying a falcon. The falcon smote upon the ground. Ooh, that sounds awesome. Uh, became a brave youth, uh, weird, and said, Hail, yeah, Prince Ivan, before I came as a guest, that's a guest, but now... I have come as a wooer. <laughs> I wish to propose for your sister, the princess. Ooh, Maria. Yeah, the good one. If you find favor in the eyes of my sister, I will not interfere with her wishes. Ah, let her marry you in God's name. The princess Maria uh, gave her consent. The falcon married her and bore her away into his own realm. Everything about this is top shelf so far. Days follow days, hours uh, chase hours. A whole year goes by. One day, Prince Ivan and his two sisters went out to stroll in the garden green. Again, there arose a storm cloud with whirling and lightning. Uh, let us go home, sisters, cries the prince. Scarcely had they entered the palace when the thunder crashed and the roof burst into a blaze and the ceiling split in twain. 
and an eagle flew in. The eagle smote upon the ground, and not as cool, and became a brave youth. Hail, Prince Ivan. I, before I came as a guest, I, before I came as a guest, all right, but now I have come as a wooer. And he asked uh, for the hand of the uh, Princess Olga. No wonder. It's a lame bird going after the lame one. Uh, Princess Ivan replied, If you find favor in the eyes of Princess Olga, then let her marry you. I will not interfere with her liberty of choice. Yeah, the Princess Olga gave her consent and married the eagle. And the eagle took her off and carried her to his own kingdom. Another year went by. And Princess Ivan said to his youngest sister, Eh, uh, let us go out and stroll in the garden green. They strolled for about a time. Again, there arose a storm cloud with whirling and lightning. Eh, let us return home, sister, said he. And they returned home, but they hadn't had time to sit down when the thunder crashed and the ceiling split open. Uh, uh, Ooh, and in flew a raven. Ah, the raven smote upon the floor. It became a brave youth, sure. Yeah, the former youth had been handsome. Oh, but this one was handsomer still. Well, Prince Ivan, before I came as a guest, and now I have come as a wooer. Uh, give me the Princess Anna uh, uh, to wife. I won't interfere with my sister's freedom if you gain her affections and let her marry you. So the Princess Anna married the raven, and he bore her away into his own realm. Princess Ivan was left alone. Nah. A whole year he lived without his sisters. Nah. Then he grew weary and said, I will set out in search of my sisters. He got ready for the journey. He rode and rode, and one day he saw a whole army lying dead on the plain. Nah, he cried a lot. If there be a living man here, nah, let him make answer. Who has uh, uh, slain this mighty host? They replied unto him, a living man. All this mighty host has been slayed by the fair Princess Maria Morvina. Princess Ivan rode further on, and he came to a white tent, and forth came to meet him the fair Princess Maria Morvena. Hail, Prince, said she, whither does God send you? And is it of your free will or eh, against your will? Princess Ivan replied, Not against their will do brave youths ride. Ha ha ha. Well, if your business not be pressing, eh, tarry a while at my tent. <laughs> thereat, well, that's a new word for me, thereat, was Prince Ivan glad. He spent two nights in the tent, and he found favor in the eyes of Maria Morvina, and she married him. And the fair princess, Maria Morvena, carried him off into her own realm. They spent some time together, and then the princess took it into her head uh, to go a-warring. So she handed over all the housekeeping affairs to Prince Ivan and gave him uh, these instructions. Uh, Go about everywhere. Uh, Keep watch over everything. Do not venture to look uh, into that closet there. He couldn't help doing so. The moment Maria Morvina had gone, he rushed to the closet, pulled open the door and looked in, and there hung Croce. The deathless, fettered by twelve chains. Then Croce entreated Prince Ivan, saying, eh, Have pity upon me and give me to drink. Ten years long have I been in torment, neither eating nor drinking. Ah, my throat is utterly dried up. The prince gave him a bucket full of water. That's excessive. He drank it up and asked for more, saying, eh, A single bucket of water will not quench my thirst. 
Uh, give me more. The prince gave him a second bucketful. Coach drank it up and asked for a third. And when he had swallowed the third bucketful, he regained his former... That's a lot of bladder ex, uh, expansion. Gained his former strength. Gave his chains a, a little shake. And broke all twelve at once. Thanks, Prince Ivan, cried Croce, the deathless. Now you will sooner see your own ears than Mario Movina. And out the window he flew in the shape of a terrible whirlwind. And he came up with the fair Princess Mary Movina as he... She was going her way, laid hold of her, and carried her off uh, home with him. But Prince Ivan wept full sore, and he arrayed himself and set out a, a wandering, saying to himself, Whatever happens, I will go and look for Maria Morvina. One day passed, eh, another day passed. At the dawn of the third day, he saw a wondrous palace, and by the side of the palace stood an oak, and on the oak sat a falcon. Right. Down flew the falcon from the yoke, smote upon the ground, turned into a, a brave youth, and cried aloud, Ha! <laughs> dear brother-in-law, how dear deals the Lord with you. Out came running Princess Maria, joyfully greeted by her brother Ivan, and began inquiring after his health, ah, telling him all about herself. The prince spent three days with them. Then he said, I cannot abide with you. I must go in search of my wife, the fair Princess Maria Morvina. Uh, hard will it be for you to find her, answered the falcon. At all events, leave with us your silver spoon. Huh? We will look after it and remember you. What? So Prince Ivan left his silver spoon at the falcons and went on his way again. I feel like I should have a silver spoon. On he went uh, one day. Now he went another day, and by the dawn of the third day, he saw a palace still grander than the former one, and hard by the palace stood a, an oak, and on the oak sat an eagle. <clears throat> Down flew the eagle from the oak, smote upon the ground, turned into a, a brave youth, and cried aloud, Rise up, ah, Princess Olga, hither comes our brother, dear. The Princess Olga immediately ran to meet him and began kissing him and embracing him. After asking, uh, his health, and telling him all about herself. Uh, with them, Prince Ivan stopped three days. Then he said, I cannot stay here any longer. I'm going to look for my wife, the fair Princess Maria Morvina. Hard will it be for you to find her, replied the eagle. Leave us a, a silver fork, and we'll look at it and remember you. He left the silver fork behind and went his way. He traveled one day, he traveled two days, and at daybreak on the third day he saw a palace grander than the first two. And near the palace stood an oak, and on the oak sat a raven. Aha! Down flew the raven from the oak and smote upon the ground, turned to a brave youth, cried Princess Anna, come forth quickly. Uh, I, our brother, is coming. Is that on purpose? They keep saying I in weird, awkward ways with the raven. All right. Out ran Princess Anna, greeted him joyfully, and began kissing and embracing him. After asking his health and telling him all about Sally, Prince Ivan stayed with them for three days, and he said, Farewell. I'm going to look after uh, for my wife, the fair Princess Mary Marvina. Hard will it be you to find her, replied the raven. Anyhow, I'll leave with you the silver snuff box. I feel like I need these things. It's, it's just like taken for granted that you're supposed to have this stuff. Uh, we will look after it and remember you. 
The prince handed over his silver snuff box, took his leave, and went his way. One day he went, another day he went, and on the third day he came to where Maria Morvina was. She caught sight of her love, flung her arms around his neck, burst into tears, and exclaimed, Oh, uh, Prince Ivan, why'd you disobey me and go looking into the closet and letting out Croce the Deathless? Forgive me, Maria Morvina. Remember not the past. <laughs> Much better fly with me while Croce the Deathless is out of sight. Perhaps he won't catch us. I wish I could have used that in arguments and relationships. Like, ah, forget not the past. And then you just move forward. That's pretty, uh, pretty amazing. So they got ready and fled. Now Croce was out hunting. Toward evening, he was returning home when he, his good steed stumbled beneath him. Why, eh, stumblest thou, sorry jade, sentest uh, thou some ill? The steed replied, eh, Prince Ivan has come and carried off Marina Morvina. Is it, is it possible to catch them? Eh, it's possible to sow wheat, <laughs> uh, to wait till it grows up, to reap it and uh, thresh it, uh, to grind it into flour, to make five uh, pies of it, to eat those pies, then uh, start in pursuit, and even then, uh, to be in time. Croce galloped off and caught up with Prince Ivan. Now, says he, this time I will forgive you in return for your kindness and give me water to drink, which was, what, three buckets? And a second time, I will forgive you. But the third time, beware. Ah, I'll catch you to bits. Then he took Maria Morvina from him and carried her off. Ah, but Prince Ivan sat down on a stone and burst into tears. They wept and wept. They returned back again to Maria Morvina. And now Croce, uh, the Deathless, happened not to be home. Let us fly, Maria Morvina. Ah, Prince Ivan, he will catch us. I suppose he does catch us. At all events, we shall have spent an hour or two together. So they got ready and fled. As Croce, the Deathless, was returning home, his good steeds stumbled beneath him. Ah, why stumblest thou, sorry jade? Sentest thou some ill? Uh, Prince Ivan has come and carried off uh, Maria Morvina. Am I having a stroke? It's like the same thing over again. Is it possible to catch them? Eh, it's possible to sow barley and wait till it grows up to reap it and thresh it, to brew beer, to drink ourselves drunk on and to sleep our fill and to set off in pursuit... Yeah, I think I'm having a stroke. I literally just read this. Croce galloped off, caught up with Prince Ivan. Didn't I tell you that you should not see Maria Morvina any more than your own ears? And he took her away and carried her off home with him. Prince Ivan was left alone there. He wept and wept, and then he got back again after Maria Morvina. Croce happened to be away from home at that moment. Let us fly, Maria Morvina. Ah, Prince Ivan, he is sure to catch us. And he knew you in pieces. Oh, and hew you in pieces. Ah, let him hew away. I can't live without you. So they got ready and fled. Koshi, the deathless, was returning home when his good steeds, oh my God, stumbled beneath him. <laughs> What's going on? Did the ebook get all bunged up and it's just repeating over and over? I don't understand what's happening right now. Why stumblest thou, sentest thou any will? Prince Ivan has come and he's carried off Marina. Koshi galloped off and caught Prince Ivan, chopped him into little pieces, put him in a barrel. Oh, he galloped off, caught Prince Ivan, and chopped him into little pieces, put him into a barrel, 
smeared it with the pitch and bound it with iron hoops and flung it into the blue sea. Well, that's new. But Miriam Morvina, he carried off home. At that very time, the silver articles turned black, which Prince Ivan had left with his brothers-in-law. Ah, they said, that evil is accomplished, sir, enough. Then the eagle hurried to the blue sea, caught hold of the barrel and dragged it ashore. The falcon flew away for the water of life and the raven for the water of Oh, it's like, in that barrel is just a mess of human parts, and they're going to try and bring it back to life. Afterwards, they all three met, broke open the barrel, took out the remains of Prince Ivan, eh, washed them, eh, put them together in fitting order. Eh. The raven sprinkled them with the water of death. The pieces joined together. The body became whole. The falcon sprinkled them with the water of life. And Prince Ivan shuddered, stood up, ugh, gross, and said, Ah, what a time I've been sleeping. You'd have gone on sleeping a good deal longer if it hadn't been for us, replied his brothers-in-law. Now come and pay us a visit. Not so, brothers. I shall go and look for Maria Morvina. And when he found her, he said to her, Find out from the Koshi of the Deathless whence he got so good a steed. So Maria Morvina chose a favorable moment and began asking Croce about it. Croce replied, eh, Beyond uh, thrice nine lands in the thirteenth kingdom, on the other side of the fiery river, uh, there lives a, a Baba Yaga. Ooh, a Baba Yaga. Uh, she is so good a mare that she flies right round the world on it every day, and she has many other splendid mares. I watched her herds for three days without losing a single mare, and in return for that, the Baba Yaga gave me a foal. Yeah, but, uh, but how do you get across the fiery river? Why, I have a handkerchief of this kind. When I wave it thrice on the right hand, there springs up a very lofty bridge, yeah, and the fire cannot catch it. Maria Morvina listened to all this and repeated it to Prince Ivan. She carried off the handkerchief and gave it to him. So he managed to get across the fire river and then went on to Baba Yaga's. Long went he on without getting uh, anything either to eat or to drink. At last he came across an outlandish bird and its young ones. Yeah, says the Prince Ivan, I'll eat yeah, one of these chickens. Yeah, don't eat it, Prince Ivan, begs the outlandish bird. And some other, uh, sometime or other, I'll... Uh, do you a good turn. He went on farther and saw a hive of bees in the forest. Not get a bit of honeycomb, says he. I don't disturb my honey, Prince Ivan, exclaimed the queen bee. Uh, some other time, or I'll do you a good turn. So he did disturb it, he went on. Presently there was a, a lioness with her cub. Anyhow, now eat this lion cub, says he. Oh, I'm so hungry. I feel quite unwell. Please let us alone. Prince Ivan, begged the lioness, some other time, or I'll do you a good turn. Very well, have your own way, says he. Hungry and faint, he wandered on, walked farther and farther. At last came to where stood the house of the Baba Yaga. Round the house were set twelve poles in a circle, and on each of the eleven of these poles was stuck a, ugh, a human head. And the twelfth one alone remained unoccupied. Hail, Granny! Uh, hail, Prince Ivan, wherefore yon come? Is it of your own accord or uh, on compulsion? I've come to earn from you a heroic steed. 
Yeah, so be it, Prince. Uh, you won't have to serve a year with me, but just three days. Mm, lucky him. If you take good care of my mares, I bet I'll give you a heroic steed. But if you don't, why, then you mustn't be annoyed at finding your head stuck on top of the last pole there. Prince Ivan agreed to these terms. The Baba Yaga gave him food and drink and bade him to set about his business, but the moment he had driven the mares afield, they cocked up their tails, and away they tore across the meadows in all directions. Before the prince had time to look around, they were all out of sight. Thereupon, he began to weep and disquiet himself. Then he sat down upon a stone and went to sleep. What a giant baby, you're not going to get that mare. But when the sun was near its setting, the outlandish bird came flying up to him and awakened him, saying, Arise, Prince Ivan, and the mares are home now. The prince rose and returned home. There Baba Yaga was storming and raging at her mares and shrieking, "Eh, Whatever did ye come home for? How could we help from coming home, said they. Yeah, there came flying birds from every part of the world and all but pecked their eyes out. Ah, well, well. Tomorrow don't go galloping over the meadows, but, uh, yeah, I don't know, disperse amid the thick forest. Prince Ivan slept all night. In the morning, Baba Yaga says to him, Mind, eh, Prince, if you don't take good care of the mares, if you lose merely one of them, your bold head will be stuck on that pole. He drove the mares afield. Immediately they cocked up their tails and dispersed among the thick forest. Again did the prince sit down on the stone and weep and weep and then go to sleep. Oh, what a baby. The sun, you, you gotta get hungry. I mean, do you want it or do you not want it? The sun went down behind the forest. Up came running the lioness. Arise, Prince Ivan. The mares are collected. Prince Ivan arose and went home. More than ever did the Baba Yaga storm in her mares and shriek, Hey, whatever did you come back for? Now, how can we help come back? The beast of prey came running at us from all parts of the world, and all but tore us utterly to pieces. Well, tomorrow, run off into the blue sea. Again did Prince Ivan sleep through the night. Next morning, Baba Yaga sent him forth to watch the mares. If you don't take good care of them, says she, ah, your bold head will be stuck on that pole. He drove the mares afield, and immediately they cocked up their tails and disappeared from sight and fled. Everything's in threes. They fled to the blue sea. There they stood, up to their necks in water. Prince Ivan sat down on the stone, and wept again, and fell asleep. When the sun had set behind the forest, up came a flying a bee, and said, Arise, prince, the mares are all collected, but when you get home, don't let Baba Yaga set eyes on you. But go into the stable and hide behind the mangers. There you will find a sorry colt rolling into the muck. Do you steal it, and at the head of the dead of the night, ride away from the house. Prince Ivan arose, slipped into the stable, and lay down behind the mangers, where, while Baba Yaga was storming away at her mares and shrieking, hey, Why'd you come back? Nah, how can we help coming back? They came flying bees eh, in countless numbers from all parts of the world, and began stinging us on all sides uh, till the blood came. And Baba Yaga went to sleep. In the dead of night, Prince Ivan stole the sorry colt, saddled it, jumped on its back, and galloped away to the fiery river. When he came to the river, he waved the handkerchief three times on his right hand, and suddenly, springing goodness knows whence, yeah, the hung across the river, nigh uh, in the air, a splendid bridge. The prince 
rode across the bridge and waved the handkerchief, twice only on the left hand. There remained across the river a thin, ever so thin bridge. When the Baba Yaga uh, got up in the morning, the sorry colt uh, was not to be seen! Exclamation point. Off she said in pursuit. If, oh, this is just the story of Baba Yaga, except like slightly different. I've read this before. At full speed did she fly in her iron mortar. Yep, there we go. Urging it on with the pestle, sweeping away her traces with the broom. She dashed up to the fiery river, gave a glance, and said, Ah, a capital bridge! She dove onto the bridge. But I'd only got halfway when the bridge broke in two, and the Baba Yaga went flop into the water. There truly did she meet with a cruel death. Oh, that was fast. Prince Ivan fattened up the colt in the green meadows and turned it into a wondrous steed. Then he rode to where Mario Morvina was. She came running out and flung herself on his neck, crying, uh, By what means has God brought you back to life? Eh, thus and thus, says he. Now come along with me. I'm afraid, Prince Ivan, if Croce catches us, you'll be cut up in pieces again. Nah, no, he won't catch us. I have a splendid, heroic steed now. Yeah, it flies just like a bird. So they got on his back and rode away. Croce? Now the Deathless was returning home when his horse stumbled beneath him. Oh, God. Why art thou stumbling? Uh, for sorry, Jay, dost thou send any ill? Uh, Prince Ivan has come and carried off Mary Arena. Can we catch him? God knows. Prince Ivan has a horse now, which is better than I. Well, I can't stand it, says Croce, the deathless, and I will pursue. Oh, there's no talk of wheat and whatever this time. After a time, he came up with Prince Ivan, lighted on the ground, and was going to chop him up with a sharp sword. But at that moment, Prince Ivan's horse smote Croce, the deathless full swing, uh, with his hoof, uh, and cracked his skull. And the prince made an end of him with a, with a club. Afterwards, the prince heaped up a pile of wood and set it on fire. It burnt Croce, the deathless, on the pyre, scattered his ashes to the wind. Then Maria Morvina mounted Croce's horse, and Prince Ivan got his own, <laughs> and they rode away to visit, uh, first the raven, then the eagle, then the falcon. Wherever they went, uh, they were met with a joyful greeting. Ah, Prince Ivan, why, we never expected to see you again. Well, it wasn't for nothing that you gave yourself so much trouble. Such a beauty as Moya Morvina. One might search for the whole world over and never find one like her. Who's saying that? The Raven Boys or his sisters? It's going to hurt the sisters' feelings if they're saying that. And so they visited, and they feasted. And afterwards, they went off to their own realm. Well, what did we learn from this episode? We learned that no matter what, you can marry someone who is mostly a falcon and is still not exciting enough to base the whole story. The whole story should have been about the woman that married the falcon. Yeah, the crow. And what was the other one? A pigeon? I don't even know. Who cares? Oh, it was an eagle. That's the exciting part. What's your day-to-day -day like when you have someone that could take the shape of a falcon uh, and come home 
after a long day of catching rabbits and devouring them, and then comes home. And what does he complain about? Like, I complain about work all the time yeah, to my kids. I don't got anyone that cares about me. So, but when you're a falcon, ah, I had to chase a rabbit for 32 minutes until I finally got him, and I'm just, I'm just pissed. What a rough day. Yeah, what was your day like, honey? Like, that's what I want to know about. What was that story like? So we had to learn about this guy who sold off his sisters to bird men. And, uh, and then he, like, married a warrior woman that caught someone that can't die. And then when he released him with three buckets full of water, and then she couldn't kill him again or catch him again. She just sort of like, oh, I'm helpless. And, and then he died and got put in a bucket. When he got resurrected, what's that like? Is it like Lazarus, where you wake up, but you don't have a soul anymore, and all you do is walk towards the sun because the heat of the sun is what keeps you alive? I, I don't know. So, that was disturbing. Uh, the story was useless. As useless as my fantasies about hanging out with people. I read a story recently about a, a guy who decided to become a hermit. He... Uh, went into the woods, I think in Maine, and uh, he spent 20-some years out there by himself in the woods. And he kept he made sure that he wouldn't like leave any trails in the woods. He didn't want anyone to know where he was or what he did. And, and so, he, But then eventually he had to start breaking into homes. Uh, he'd travel for miles through the woods to get to another cabin and steal all their supplies and their aspirin and whatever else he might need. Sometimes beer, a lot of candy, that kind of thing. Uh, batteries for his radio, um, things like that. Uh, but the one thing he said was when he finally got caught and he had to go to jail for spending 20-some years of breaking into people's homes, which seems weird. You'd think they'd let him off the hook, but nope, they uh, put him in jail and everything. He had to get uh, put back into circulation. There's a program to get him, like, get a, good, get a job and be part of society again. And the one thing he said after 20 years living in the woods, never seeing another human soul, was that he had a tough time looking at people's faces. Because people's faces have a lot of expression. Uh, if you say hi to someone, the way they, their eyes open up or not open up, and the way their, the muscles on their face contort and move around, uh, reveals to you a lot in one moment about how they feel about you or what they think about you. And so he said seeing another person's face gave him too much information and it made him really uncomfortable. So whenever he talked to people, he never looked at them. He just always looked down, like at his own hands and stuff. Which is both poetic and also what I crave. I want to hang out with my friend Ronnie and eat chicken wings and, uh, and look at his face and see what he thinks of me with his expressions. I want to get together with other friends and chat and talk and see what their face looks like. I'm dying for it. Human faces uh, has become a like, a like a porn for me. Damn it. I want to see another human face. Oh, I see my kids' faces, but all they do is sit in their bedrooms. They don't want to talk to me. So I just watch TV and see other people acting with their faces towards other actors who are also acting. I, I want to see a genuine interaction. I'm dying for it. So, what's the point of this episode? Eh, human faces. Thanks for listening, and I will talk to you next week. <laughs>